You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk Church? Merry Christmas, everybody. I heard earlier someone say, it's still too early. It's still too early, but... That person was wrong. It's never too early to wish Merry Christmas. Um, I am so, so excited to be with you uh, this morning um, on this last Sunday before, uh, before Christmas Day and just to celebrate with everybody. Um, before we jump into today's message, um, there's something that I do need to remind you about. Uh, a few weeks ago, you may recall, I mentioned that today uh, we would be taking up uh, a special offering, giving everybody an opportunity to participate in what we call the Heart for the House offering, which is um, an end-of-year offering that we've done for the past several years here at Christ Walk. Um, this particular offering is going to serve as seed money uh, to launch our uh, 2022 Kingdom Builders Initiative. And the Kingdom Builders Initiative is um, a fund, a special fund that we use that is, is funded over and above our tithes and our regular offerings. That it, it, it goes to fund people, places, projects, and partnerships in our backyard and literally around the globe. I've mentioned some of those to you over the past weeks, um, things like ARC, things like uh, our partnership with Southside Elementary, stuff like that. Um, another one of those uh, partnerships that I would like to highlight this morning is our partnership with Gary and Dina Pate, um, who lead a ministry called For the Children of Ecuador. They are uh, missionaries to Ecuador. Many of you know them um, personally, and you have experienced their ministry here in this house. Um, for those of you that aren't aware of uh, Gary and Dina and what they do, um, many years ago, they transitioned from Florida to be full-time missionaries in Ecuador, and they started to go up in the mountainous regions there to these villages that were um, untouched by really civilization at large. It was just these small uh, pockets of people that they were completely self-sustained. Um, they would live off of whatever they could grow in the garden, um, and they had built these, these villages. And so Gary and Dina and their team of, of local um, Ecuadorians would go in, and they began to start these backyard Bible clubs in these villages. And one club turned into four, turned into seven, turned into nine, and then that has perpetuated itself and grown um, over the years. In fact, they've been able to start um, some house churches in some of those villages um, and uh, continue ministry there and equip and empower local people to minister to their own people. And this year, um, as a part of our Kingdom Builders Initiative uh, in 2021, um, there was uh, one of those house churches that was meeting um, in a, a, a large open room in this home in the center of this community, and they had a dirt floor. And so because of funds that we were able to provide along with some other churches that were in partnership with them, they now have a smooth concrete floor, um, and they're no longer coming in and meeting on the dirt 
And so they're able to come together and worship there. And uh, a few weeks ago, um, Gary was here stateside and I got to have breakfast with him. And, and I love um, getting to, uh, to hang out with Gary. He's so passionate and excited um, about the things that they are doing. And he's always got some new update to tell me. Well, um, this year, they were able to actually expand from uh, doing Bible clubs in those mountainous regions to um, some villages, uh, fishing villages over on the coast of Ecuador a few hours away. And so they've been splitting their time between the mountains and the coast getting these Bible clubs established. And, and so uh, this year, they've been working to get those Bible clubs established and ministering to those kids and families over on the coast while their team has continued to work in the mountains, uh, perpetuating the Bible clubs that they initially launched some years ago. And out of this opportunity at, uh, over in the coast, um, they began to do some ministry in what is Ecuador's surf capital. And this is actually a, a global surf capital. People will come from all over the world to come here to surf and party and live a crazy lifestyle on vacation for you know weeks at a time and everything. And the Lord opened up some doors for Gary and Dina to be able to plant a church right right there in the heart of that city, in the middle of downtown, right there on the coast where, where all the people are coming from all over the world, that they're going to be a shining light and beacon of hope. And guess what we get to do? We get to partner with, with them to help get that church off the ground. They've already uh, secured a building and they're doing uh, renovations now and, and, and everything. And so uh, what started out as a couple of Bible clubs up in the, the, you know, the top regions of the Andes Mountains where nobody was willing to go has now expanded and pushed out over to the coast. And now the Lord is continuing to open up even greater doors. And you and I are a part of that. People that we may never meet, but because of your faithfulness and your obedience and generosity, you're making a difference in the hearts and lives literally of people all around the globe. And so you can support that um, by giving in today's Heart for the House offering. And over and above uh, today's Heart for the House offering, you can also uh, make a pledge to support kingdom builders in an ongoing manner for, uh, for the duration of 2022 throughout the year. And for more information on all of that, what that looks like, some of the partners that we support, the different projects that we are a part of, you can find all of that information on the Give tab of our website, the Christ or you can go there directly by visiting thechristwalk.com forward slash give. And for those of you that are going to give in today's Heart for the House offering, or perhaps you are unprepared, but you'd like to prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you do and how to be um, a part of that, you can actually give in the Heart for the House offering through um, 11.59 p.m. on December 31st um, for it to count for this year. Um, you can do that in uh, one of three ways. Um, on the envelope here in person, simply in the other blank, put heart for the house and place your gift inside, put it in the silver box. Or if you normally give online, you'll note that there is a drop-down menu there where you can choose different funds. Simply choose heart for the house that will designate your offering to go towards um, this special fund. And then um, if you're like me and typically you give via text, all you have to do is when you put in the amount you wanna give, add the keyword heart, H-E-A-R-T, and that will 
direct it to that specific fund as you give. And so I just want to thank you all so much for your faithfulness, your obedience, your generosity, the way that you honor God with your finances so sacrificially. As I mentioned um, a couple weeks ago, the past two years that we um, have had Kingdom Builders uh, as, as a thing, we launched it a couple years ago. We've, we've um, invested over $100,000 into uh, Kingdom Builders' efforts, and I'm believing that we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what God is going to do in and through that special fund as we reach people and places all across the world. Amen? Amen. Can we just celebrate what God's doing in and through this house? Today, we're in part three of a series called Advent, where we're taking a closer look at the themes of hope, faith, joy, and peace that often find themselves at the forefront of the Christmas season each year. And we've been incorporating the Advent wreath into our celebration of worship this year and and using it as the backdrop for this series. In part one of our series, we lit the first candle of the Advent wreath, which is known as the prophet's candle. It symbolizes hope and the hope that we have not only in the initial prophecies of the coming Messiah that would come as a baby born in a manger, but the continued hope that we have as we anxiously await his return. And then in part two of our series, we lit what is called the Bethlehem candle, and this symbolizes faith. It's recognized by the story of faith of Mary and Joseph who accepted the the call and the plan of the Lord for their life, even in the midst of less than desirable circumstances or in the middle of what didn't really seem to make sense, that they said, yes, we will do this. Yes, we will embrace this. And they stepped out in faith and they made the journey to Bethlehem so that there the baby could be born and that prophecy could once again be fulfilled. And today we light the third candle of Advent. It's known as the shepherd's candle. And you'll note that this candle is pink. It's different. It stands out from the rest of the candles there. Um, It symbolizes joy and it's pink or rose in color because pink is the liturgical uh, color representing the joyous message that the shepherds received that Jesus Christ was born. And so that's what we're gonna talk about for the next few minutes today, this theme of joy. Now, if your household is anything like mine, no doubt you have a number of Christmas or holiday traditions that that you put into practice each year during this season. Maybe it's baking cookies or some other sort of Christmas goodies, kind of like the ones that are available out front today as a part of the Christwalk Youth Bake Sale. Or maybe it's driving around into different neighborhoods and locations to look at Christmas lights or taking the family to get pictures made with, with Santa Claus or Maybe you go caroling in your neighborhood if you're one of those weird people. Um, The list could go on, and and I'm just kidding. If you do that, that's not weird. That's awesome. Come to my house. It'll be be great. 
Um, people just don't typically do that anymore, but I think we should. I think we need to, we need to revive, we need to revive that. Um, at our house, uh, Christmas traditions often revolve around movies. Um, that's just how the snaps roll. It's something that's a big deal for us. Like, like one of, uh, my favorite traditions is I obligate myself to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation anytime it comes on TV. Like, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margot, right? Like, we're trying to figure that out still. And Sarah and the kids, they have a tradition of griping and complaining anytime I watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because they hate that movie with a passion, because they need Jesus in their heart, because they are a bunch of Scrooges. Those are two traditions at the Snap household during the Christmas season. But, but nothing, nothing says uh, it's, it's Christmas. Nothing make it, makes it seem quite like Christmas has officially arrived more than our annual watching of Home Alone. Anybody else? Home Alone? Keep the change, you filthy animal. In, in case... Um, in case you've been living under a rock since 1990 and you're unfamiliar with the story, or perhaps it's been a little bit, let me, let me catch you up to speed. Uh, members of an extended family are headed to Paris for the Christmas holiday. And through a series of seemingly random events, the family oversleeps. And in their haste to make it to the airport on time to catch their flight, they accidentally leave their youngest son, Kevin, home Alone. That's where we get the name of the movie. Pretty smart, right? Meanwhile, a couple crooks by the name of Harry and Marv, or perhaps you more affectionately know them as the Wet Bandits, they are systematically robbing each house on Kevin's block, saving his, the Silver Tuna, for last proving himself to be much more mature and adept than his age would suggest, Kevin devises a plan to protect his home from the burglars, consisting of a myriad of booby traps from the basement to the attic that are designed to inflict a ridiculous amount of pain on the crooks and expose their overwhelming ineptitude to the delight of everyone watching. Where'd you take your shoes off? Why are you dressed like a chicken? Some of y'all get that on the drive home. If for some strange reason you haven't seen that movie or maybe it's been a long time, I, I challenge your homework is between now and Christmas Day, watch Home Alone and then you can thank me later. Uh, there's a particular line in that movie um, as things are ramping up to the main action sequence and the climax of the film where, where Kevin spreads out this hand-drawn battle plan across the table and it's got his house on it and all the things that he's going to do, all the booby traps and the things that he's going to set up. And he declares this phrase, he says, this is my house, I have to defend it. Have you ever felt like you were being robbed during the holiday season? Like, I'm not talking about necessarily like price gouging or like literally like someone is invading your home to take all the gifts out from under the tree like the Grinch. That would be terrible if you've ever experienced that. I'm sorry to rip off the scab and bring up. I can't imagine what that's like. But I'm really, today I'm talking about like, have you ever felt like maybe you're being robbed physically 
or mentally or emotionally during the holiday season. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I certainly feel the tension of, of that, particularly on the heels of what you and I, this world has walked through over these past two years. And if we aren't careful, the stresses and the challenges that this season more than any other brings along with it, it can absolutely be crippling. Like the, the, the stress of finding the perfect gift for everyone or to make it to all the parties or the get-togethers or being sure that nobody gets left off the Christmas card list so they don't get their feelings hurt or trying to balance the checkbook and figuring out how to fund it all and just make it all happen. The, the expectations that we place on ourselves and, and then that combined with the expectations that others place on us in the midst of this season can seem a mile high if we let it. Despite the best of intentions, rather than being fulfilled by this season, we're often left feeling discouraged and exhausted and just empty. And Jesus actually talked about this kind of thing in, in John chapter 10. He said this, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And I believe that one of the primary things that the enemy wants to steal from us, particularly at Christmas, is our joy. He wants to steal our joy. I come into contact with a lot of people that actively let this happen. They're actively allowing the enemy to take their joy from them. And you know these people too. There's there's certain signs that allow you to recognize them. It's, it's people that seem like they're walking around in shoes that are two sizes too small and that they've been sucking on a lemon wedge. And they've got that look on their face like it's like someone is perpetually tooting. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> We're talking about joy. It's okay. You can laugh. You know, they got that like, ugh. Like one of those looks on their face. It's that part. And if you don't know anybody like that, it might be you. So be careful. See, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, though. Joy isn't something that happens to us. It's not something that we experience or obtain as a result of our circumstances. Joy is something that we choose. Joy is something that we choose. Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says this. He says, always be joyful. You look up that word always in the Greek, you know what it means? It means always. <laughs> Every single time. Be joyful. That, that tells us that, that it's, it's, a, it's a choice that we have. And I know, I know inevitably what someone is thinking. It's probably not anyone in this room. They're probably watching online. Somebody in here this morning is thinking, Pastor Blake, you, you, you don't know my situation. You've never experienced something at the level and the magnitude of what I am currently walking through. And you are probably right. But consider the words of the prophet Habakkuk. I'm sure you were reading that in your devotional this morning. Habakkuk, uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I love this. This is so good. Somebody needs to write this down. You need to make this your verse for 2022. 
It says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Life can be just awful at every twist and turn, but I'm going to choose to be a person of joy. I love what Tim Mackey says, founder of the Bible Project. He says, joy is an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of their circumstances, but because of God's love and promise. You want to know what joy looks like? It looks like this right here. These are some of the kids from Southside Elementary School that uh, last week we delivered the Christmas bags to them um, that you guys so generously provided the funds for. And we were able to go shop and, and just get these bags of trinkets. You can see these smiles. Go to the next slide. There's some other pictures. Look at those sweet little faces. That's just joy right there. Check out this next one. Oh my goodness. Look at that. One more. One more. This kid right here, out of everything that was in the bag, he pulled out the chapstick. <laughs> and his teacher, she texted me and she said he was so happy and so excited. He was running around saying, I can fix my broken lips. He meant chapped lips. Y'all, when is the last time the chapstick brought you joy? That's what I'm talking about. I want, download that into my life. That's what we need a dose of right there. Here's what I came to tell somebody. If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. This is the big idea we're working off of today. It's simply this. You have a choice to rejoice. You have a choice. You can either do it or not do it. If you want to be down in the dumps and you want to walk around like you lost your best friend and, and your dog died and all that, like, that's your choice. But you can also choose to be different. You can choose to accept and to walk in the joy of the Lord. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I don't think that our lack of joy is because we don't want to be joyful. I don't, I don't think it's that at all. I, I think that for a lot of us, it's that we simply don't know how. We don't know how to be joyful in the middle of our circumstances. And so that's the question that I want us to explore for the rest of our time here today. How can I experience joy? And we don't have to look any further than on the hills right outside of Bethlehem to some shepherds who were tending their flocks by night. Luke chapter two, if you got a Bible, you got a smart device, why don't you turn or swipe there with me? Third, it's the third book, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. It's one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those books the gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason those four books in particular are such good news is because they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so we're gonna zoom in on part of that here this morning. Luke chapter two, starting with verse eight. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great, what? Joy. 
joy to all people. Continuing with verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, before we start to break down this passage, there's a couple notes that um, I find maybe interesting uh, here right off the top. Number one is about the angels. This is now the third interaction over the past couple weeks that we've had with angels showing up um, in, in the life of, of somebody. And I, I've got to assume the angels were very intimidating or scary looking because the first thing that they always say is, don't be afraid. They always seem to appear suddenly, like sneaking up on people or whatever. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, can the angels just not give somebody a warning? You know, like clear your throat, make your footsteps heavier, like rattle a bag, something. Like let somebody know that you're coming, right? So the angels are here to proclaim this message to these shepherds. Okay, and the shepherds, um, you need to know that in this day and age, shepherds, they were, they were social outcasts in, in this time period and in this culture. And their work with the sheep, it would have made them ceremonially unclean in accordance with Jewish law uh, because they had to get dirty and gross and, and some of the things that they had to do um, in caring for the sheep, it made them ceremonially unclean. And they had also a reputation for being untrustworthy. The, uh, as people dealt with them. Now, some scholars believe that these particular shepherds that would have been in, uh, on the outskirts of Bethlehem that evening, that these were Levitical shepherds that would have been raising flocks that would have later been offered as temple sacrifices. And so these particular shepherds, they would have firsthand knowledge of how to identify a sacrificial lamb and the qualifications necessary. And it only makes sense that those kinds of shepherds would have been the first of society to go and to lay their eyes on Jesus, who was the true sacrificial lamb. And, and there, from their expertise and their viewpoint, then they took the message and began to spread the news of his arrival. And so we have these angels proclaiming this message to these shepherds. And I believe the shepherd's response is what shows us how we can choose joy, not just in the midst of this holiday season, but all year round. And so if you're taking notes, um, we're gonna talk about four choices you and I need to make if we want to experience joy. Four choices you and I need to make to experience joy. And the first one of those is this. We need to choose a different perspective. Choose a different 
perspective. A perspective is simply a way that we look at things, a way that we choose to to view something in a a particular light. And verse 11 of Luke chapter 2 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. We know that that is something that factually happened. But knowing that, not just from our biblical account, but from extra biblical historical accounts. Why does it seem like so many people live as if Jesus were never born in the first place? Our lives are full of so much worry and fear and doubt and anger and anxiety and fill in the blank with whatever it is that you are struggling with and carrying around like a heavy burden. And when we choose to live that way, ultimately what we're doing is we're choosing to live as if Jesus had never been born in the first place because his message, his birth, it was one of joy. And joy, as we read in the New Testament, what Paul writes in Galatians is that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So that means that if it's not evident in our life, that is a good indicator that we are closed off to the work of the Holy Spirit in some particular area. Now, I'm not talking about walking through life with some facade on and being fake. That's not our core value. Authenticity is one of our core values. And so this isn't about being fake. It's not a denial of difficulty or pain because the reality is is that sometimes life is tough and you and I, we are gonna walk through difficult seasons. Often the Lord is going to allow us to experience that difficulty because it's, it's something that he's wanting to develop in us that just because we come into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ doesn't mean that, anything, or that everything from that point forward is sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes life stinks. Make no doubt about it. But while we're, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to, to deny that that is the truth, we're, we're going to recognize the difficulty, but here's the difference. We're not going to dwell there. We're going to recognize that life stinks, but we're not going to let that determine what the outcome is or what the output of our life is. We're going to recognize the difficulty, but we're not going to dwell there. Instead, we're going to hand that burden over to God so that he can carry it for us, and we're going to keep moving forward. See, joy is, it's, it's not just this turn my frown upside down. Oh, you just need to be joyful. It's not pretending that, that life isn't hard sometimes. It's not, like, oh, you just need to put a smile on your face. No, Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' life and love. It's that the thing that I'm living for is greater than what I'm currently experiencing out of life. Does that make sense? So it's a shift in perspective. And so the, the, the shepherds, they were told that in Bethlehem, in, in, this, in this stable, in, in the manger, that the Savior, Jesus, who's Christ the Lord, that he was born that day. And so when we shift our perspective from outside the stable to inside the stable. We see things a lot differently. When, when we get inside the stable, we cl- quickly discover that, that things look a lot different from the inside looking out than they do from the outside looking in. And the difference is because Jesus is there. And so when we get up close and personal with Jesus, it allows us to shift our perspective in the midst of the difficulty that we are experiencing. 
And the end result of that is joy. So first, we need to choose a different perspective. Number two, if we're going to experience joy, we need to choose to abide in God's presence. We need to choose to abide in God's presence. In verse 16 of Luke 2, he writes about the shepherds. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. The shepherds hurried. I think that's important. There was intentionality. I said, we got to get to Jesus as quickly as we can. We're going to go in a straight line. We're not going to stop off for a Mountain Dew at the corner gas station or any, like, we're going to get straight there. We're not going to let anything get in our way. And I wonder, are we intentional about finding Jesus in the midst of our difficulty? Are we quick to get to him? I know what I experienced in my life. I'm quick to complain. I'm quick to gripe. I'm quick to shake my fist at God. I'm quick to wonder why this is happening to me and how come I'm having to experience all of this stuff, right? Anybody else quick to do that? Woe is me, quick to throw a pity party. But the shepherds, they were quick to get to Jesus. They they hurried there. There was intentionality. And, and so what might happen if, if, we, if we were intentional, if, if, if we, if we were, were dead set on getting into the presence of Jesus and not letting anything stop us? You know, a, a lot of the focus at this time of year is on presence. The, the world, the commercials that we see and the billboard ads and, and the magazines and, you know, we just, if you could find joy, if you just had a new Buick with a red bow on it in your driveway, it would make it a December to remember. <laughs> the world would tell us that presents are the source of our joy, but, but the word tells us that God's presence is the source of our joy. We sing that song, Joy to the World not from it. Joy from the world. No, those aren't the words. It's joy to the world because our king has come. So the question remains then, are we intentionally seeking his presence in this season? Are we slowing down? Are we hurrying up to slow down to be with Jesus in this season through reading and his word and spending time in prayer through coming together in, in groups like this for, for worship or uh, not just corporately, but also privately, individually in our prayer closets or in our cars or with our family around the table. Are we investing in community? Are we getting around other people and together celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ? I've discovered that as we do those things, if we'll be intentional about those things, we're going to discover very quickly the reason they call him Emmanuel, because he didn't want to be God without us. So he chose to become God with us. And we will discover that in his presence that we find joy, that no matter what we are facing today, we are not without because God is with us. And because he is with us, we have everything that we need to experience his joy. First, we need to choose a different perspective. Second, we need to choose to abide in his presence. Third, 
We need to choose to fulfill our God-given purpose. Choose to fulfill our God-given purpose. In verse 17, Luke writes this. He says, after seeing him, talking about Jesus, says, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about him, said to them about this child. See, the world would tell us that our purpose is to create a larger platform, to develop greater fame, to have increased celebrity, to get bigger influence, to attain higher admiration or amassed wealth or expanded power, to gain more followers, to simply be the best. But none of these things are going to bring joy and satisfaction like they claim. Only obedience to Jesus and doing life his way can do that. See, the shepherds discovered what was at the core of this kind of lifestyle. And to borrow a line from The Chosen, if you haven't been watching The Chosen, come on, it's time to get with it. You need to Google it, search it, watch The Chosen, it's awesome. But to borrow a line from The Chosen, that the shepherds, as they were leaving the stable that day, they said, everyone must know. Everyone must know because they had come in contact with the Savior. They had seen the King, the Messiah, face to face. They said, we can't rest until everybody knows. Everyone must know, because they experienced something that day. They discovered that joy is contagious. And once we've truly experienced it, once we've been around it, once we've tasted it, we won't be able to keep it to ourselves. In word, in thought, and in deed, our lives should resound the message that Jesus Christ, our Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that he has come. And everything that we do, everything that we do, that is our God-given purpose. Regardless of your occupation or the role that you serve in or who your friends are, who your family is, where you live, none of that— over and above any of those things is our responsibility, the purpose that God has put inside of us to point others in his direction. Everyone must know. And as we do that, we will experience his joy. We will experience his joy. So first off, we've got to choose a different perspective. Secondly, we have to choose to abide in his presence. Third, we have to choose to fulfill our God-given purpose. And then number four, we have to choose praise. You want to experience joy? You choose praise. Verse 20 tells us the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The shepherds left that place and they went back to life as usual. But something was different. They were still shepherds. They were still, by all accounts, nameless outcasts. Their position after meeting Jesus that night, their position wasn't elevated. Their circumstances weren't changed. But now they saw things in a different way. And the end result, it was praise. And so this morning, in the middle of your loneliness, choose praise. In the middle of uh, despair and hopelessness, choose praise. 
when your spouse says they want a divorce? Choose praise. When the bank account is in the red? Choose praise. When the doctor says cancer? Choose praise. No matter what life brings our way, the key to experiencing the joy of the Lord is to simply choose praise. And when we choose to praise him in spite of our current circumstances, we can do that because we know that because of Jesus, this world and all of the things we have to deal with in it, it's only temporary. And the best is still yet to come. So the big idea remains. The big idea remains. We have a choice to rejoice. We have a choice. Consider that first Christmas, a small backwoods town, a dirty stable because there was no room in the inn, a scared teenage girl, some no-name shepherds, The announcement and the arrival of Jesus on the scene was labeled as joy. It came in the midst of a mess, in the midst of of, uh, logic that was simply defied, that didn't make any sense, and it literally turned the order of the world on its head. In the middle of the mess, you and I can still experience joy because Jesus, our Savior, has come. That's the message of Christmas. That's the, that's the hope that we have in Advent. That's what we can experience as we know that he arrived and we are waiting for him to return. And in the middle of those two things, we can be joyful because Jesus is here. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. So I ask you, as we bring this to a close this morning, which one of those choices that you need to make to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. As we talked about those, maybe you felt the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. Yep, that's you. Yeah, that's, that's you right there. Maybe, maybe it's a shift in perspective that you've been looking at things so long from outside of the stable without Jesus that you need to get inside the stable up close and personal to the manger. And you need to look at things through that perspective. Maybe it's simply abiding in God's presence. Maybe in this season or perhaps this year or perhaps for quite some time, you've just gotten so busy and overwhelmed just being and doing and all of the things that are expected that you haven't slowed down to just experience Jesus and let him love on you. Let him speak to you. Maybe it's in the realm of discovering your purpose and, and living that out. Maybe, maybe, you know, a church, a relationship with Jesus and all the stuff that goes with it, that's, a, that's a, been a private thing for you. It's time to go public. It's time to let people know about the hope and the joy that you have. Everyone must know. And so in the way that we operate our day-to-day lives, we gotta be those people that they see Jesus in us that we're proclaiming that message to anyone that will listen. Or perhaps you just need to become a person of praise. 
maybe something that you've been walking through over the past weeks and months. Maybe it's just stolen your, stolen your voice of praise from you. And you need to get back to the place that, that, Lord, even if the circumstances don't change, you are still God, you are still in control, you are still on your throne, and I'm just going to praise you. I believe that as you open your mouth for those praises to go out, that the Lord is going to fill you with his joy. We'll close with this. Paul writes this in Philippians 4.4. 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I don't read it as a suggestion. I read it as a specific directive on how the people of God are to live their lives by choosing joy in spite of the circumstances. Perhaps the greatest choice that you and I could ever make to get to where we experience the joy of the Lord in our lives simply by accepting the greatest gift ever given, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior and receiving the gift of his salvation. If that's you here in this room today, perhaps you're watching with us online, you would like to do that. You'd like to step into a covenant relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus, his work on the cross, his resurrection from the grave so that you can embrace the joy of the Lord in your life. If that's you, would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Can we pray together? (laughs) Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.